Welcome back to another episode of Tales from Corporate, hosted by Maria and Elise. Each week, we bring you our tales and perspectives on trending topics around work in corporate America, because life can often truly be stranger than fiction. Be sure to share Tales from Corporate. Listen, download, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This week's tale is about... Am I on the SS Bounty? (laughs) So many of you may have read or seen the movie Mutiny on the Bounty, but you should be aware working in corporate when you are on the SS Bounty and there's a mutiny that is about to arise or you may be actually in the midst of and don't realize it. So, Maria, can you talk about in your professional career some key moments or tales, a funny tale, if you will, Maria, of being on an SS bounty, if you will? (laughs) I don't know if these tales are so funny as they are kind of just eye-opening, right? And I think if y'all eyes is open, that's a good thing. There are many times when <laughs> when you're, you're like a little, one of the little animals, you could pick one, lobster, frog, something that you might, one might boil in a pot of water. But but as you're putting the, the animal in, it doesn't automatically jump out because why? You start at a very low fire and you increase it slowly over time. And the little critter doesn't pick up on the fact that it's slowly being cooked. Well, that sometimes happens to us as people in corporate and elsewhere. And so we're gonna tell you tales of that SS bounty so that hopefully you don't find yourself being that poor little lobster. There's been shifts that have happened on so many different levels. And I hate to say it, but the older we get, the more resistant we are to getting with the program and getting with the times. And so we sometimes find ourselves on that sinking ship because, for example, technology fatigue. Oh, we throw up our hands in the air. I can't keep up with all these different systems. Oh my gosh. It's If it's not the Google Drive, it's the Slack. If it's not the Slack, then it's the Instant Messenger. If it's not the Instant Messenger, it's the Miro. If it's not the Miro, it's the this. I'm just just gonna throw out my hands and say, I'm just gonna do the bare minimum for my job because I don't need to know all of these different things. Well, if your firm keeps pressing these new technologies around you, there's probably a reason that they're investing this money into these technologies. And there's probably an indication that you need to take a breather because admittedly it can, it can be annoying or overwhelming or whatever else when you just don't understand what the hell they're getting at with all this new stuff. But what I would encourage you, don't ignore it because what I've witnessed are folks who they ignore it because they feel like they're good enough at their job. You know, I like to say it's good enough for government, but they're good enough at their job that 
all that noise around that people are getting excited about with the the next this that and the third thing next technology or um, automation that's a big one I don't have to be bothered with that because I'm so good at this thing that I do or I have such a great relationship with my manager or I've been here forever so I'll be fine and complete compassion for folks who I am one of them you're slower to learn new technologies I <laughs> Fam, I'm probably the poster child of that. At the same time, though, I try to do what I can to phone a friend, learn it, watch some YouTube videos, because ignoring it is a surefire way to go down with the ship. So, Elise, what are your tales? Oh, I have plenty of tales on this. Unfortunately, or fortunately, because maybe that's what makes me well-versed and knowledgeable, I don't even get scared anymore. It's strategy and tactics, strictly strategy and tactics. So <laughs> on a very recent engagement, the chief technology officer, the CTO, I liken this individual to the game maker, if you will, from like the Hunger Games. And I say that where that particular engagement was just like the Hunger Games. <laughs> because the fact that people persisted and, and, and made it, it was either Hunger Games or survival. The fact that people actually persisted, had alliances, and projects were actually delivered on time was amazing. And I think that some people take pleasure in the slow torture of, of, of employees lower down on the org charts. But I will say, that sometimes or oftentimes mutinies come about due to changes in the industry, changes in the industry that you're in, changes in how you work, manual versus much more automation, changes in how the company actually makes a profit or revenue that can stir up a lot and cause changes in the c-suite and on the senior executive level of leadership which then trickles down to middle management and then down to employees at the very entry level or mid to entry level and i'll give you an example the worst is when you don't realize you're in a sinking ship and you're in denial. You can use, for example, the tale of Napster. How that came about with Sean burning music. The music industry fought and fought with their lawyers, tried to put him in, out of business. And I think they did for a little bit. But what came about successively, everyone burns music. They just had to figure out how to control it, right? Same with alcohol prohibition. Something disruptive comes along. Government needs to find a way to tax it. The same with crypto. Everyone's fighting it because it's decentralized. And the way most banking systems work globally is centralized banking. And until they figure out how to tax that and control it, which many uh, governments and big organizations are trying to do by coming up with their own versions of a blockchain, if you will, to control it with the general ledger, that's what it's about. But the music industry, people didn't think that 
people would burn music and burn it for free. And in, the, in that disruption came about the essence of free. What should be paid for, what should be free. And things were set a certain way in the music industry for decades, for decades. I mean, there were always, you could call them executives, but there were certain people who were notorious for stealing publishing rights and copyrights and things of that nature, intellectual property from the actual people who sang. I mean, in America anyway, you had people who sang who were colored, as they say, are black, and they put a white face on the album or a white person with lip sync. But there was all types of theft in that industry. But the one thing one person could count on is at least if they recorded it and it was their song or they wrote it, they would get compensated. And then Napster came along. And I want to say it was Metallica, few people, but Metallica really led the charge as far as artists being very vocal about you shouldn't be stealing our, our music. It, we didn't make it for free, which totally they're creators. They should be compensated. But then you had what came out of that pretty much really was iTunes. I mean, the legend, the tale goes that Jimmy Iovine, you know, ran up to Steve Jobs and went up to Silicon Valley and said, we have to control this. We gotta, we have to figure out a way to, the technology is there, so people are going to use it, but we have to figure out a way to commoditize this and get some control back by iTunes. And that set a model for now we have on all the platforms, right? We've got Spotify, we've got Pandora, you pay for content. But it can be disruptive. Look at um, in television and media. I think it's very interesting. You can have a situation where the old telephone companies, right? You had your 9X, you had your New York telephone company. Wow, she said 9X. It became Verizon Media. And just for example... These were started with a utility company and then they became mega corporations that do multimedia. And what you have kind of now in 2021 is they're actually reverting back to their older models. So the cable provider or internet service provider entity of many of these conglomerates are separating themselves off from the other media. So publishing and digital. And what I'm getting at is when you have these mergers, acquisitions, they're disruptive, and then you end up on the SS bounty. Because now, with mergers and acquisitions, you have, a lot of times, redundancies. Maria, would you like to talk about redundancies in positions within the org? I was going to add to that list with OnlyFans. <laughs> I mean, a complete agreement with all the industries you covered, but the one that we giggled about was Bella Thorne. While the world was falling apart in 2020, she um, set a new record on OnlyFans, hitting a million dollars in the first 24 hours on that platform. And I remember you, we were joking amongst our friend circle, Elise, that the oldest profession of the world, as they say, was just disintermediated. Like there was disruption in the oldest profession in the world, tongue in cheek, wink, wink, in terms of with strippers and that more racier demographic. Adult entertainment. Adult period. entertainment. Thank you. Adult entertainment. There was disruption in adult entertainment such that not just 
video entertainment, but if all manner of adult entertainment, and I'll just leave that to the imagination. For time immemorial, you needed an intermediary, a producer, a pimp, uh, a hookup, somehow, some kind of way. And through technology, through the advent of OnlyFans, there was no intermediary needed. And an entertainer connected for the first time with her or his fans directly en masse. So if that's not the most dramatic example of being on the SS Bounty and if you weren't catching up onto the times you were left behind, I don't know what is. But you ask about redundancy and it's really a sad thing when you as an employee think that you're bringing something really unique to the table and that you're invaluable only to learn through organizational change that you're considered redundant with the group that you've always kind of known about at that other side of the organization that does something very similar or exactly the same as your team, maybe for a different client, maybe, you know, <laughs> in a different, some, some different way, but at the core of it, it was the same service. And now you're being merged together. When you have outside of the orgs, two orgs coming together, only one is going to supersede. And often that secret of who will supersede is kept at the very, very top. And some places will let you compete with your job with someone else from the other org who also has your job. It's not always the best person or the most qualified who gets to retain their position. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we mentioned this in a, in a previous episode, but if you're not ready to interview for your own job, for the very job that you hold, when you get a new manager, when there's a merger, when there's any kind of organizational change that impacts you and your team, then you have to really reassess what you what your strategy is. You mentioned when your organization is coming together with another. That's definitely one way where, again, you thought you were providing a unique service and that your job is relatively secure. And then it comes to a little bit of a confrontation when you're now in hot competition with that other team from that other firm that's now joined with yours. But then even taking a step down from that, I remember an older colleague said to me, and I never forgot it because it was so true. Whenever you have a new manager, a new director, a new leader that is going to interact with your team, particularly new managers and new directors, you're in essence, this is no understatement. You are in essence re-interviewing for your job because you now have to impress upon that person what your value add is. How are you better than the people that they better or just as good as the people they've worked with in the past? You have to be ready for them to have a very good mind to bring in their people who they've worked very well with in the past. And you make very, in short order, compete with them. I'll say that again. With a new boss or a new leader or a new manager, they have a concept in mind of who they want to work with. 
And so you'll find yourself re-interviewing with them. And it's not going to necessarily be formal, not necessarily call. You're going to sit in their office across from them and them asking you a bunch of questions. No, it's usually them trying to get to know you, get to know your work. It's a great opportunity for you to advocate for yourself and for your work. And it is a very good opportunity for you to be ready, potentially, for them to say, you know, I have a vision for the group and it involves some changes. And it, I want to just add, it could be predetermined. You could be the best employee. You could be the best, the most qualified. Doesn't matter. Sometimes it's predetermined. It's set and other people know your fate before you know it. So the, mm-hmm. the question really is, how do you want to manage it? How do you want to mentally handle it, physically handle it? Do you start packing your stuff up slowly from your desk? Are you a person who brings a lot? Do you start to go to lunch less with your colleagues as you try to distance yourself a little bit? And everybody kind of wants to leave gracefully or should want to (laughs) leave gracefully. Some people want to scorch the earth and be careful. Be very careful with the scorch the earth approach. And by that, I mean, you, 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 everyone you meet or see, you talk to them about how screwed up the place is and how they screwed you and what's not going right and how, but be very careful about that because that's messy and you look messy. People will lean in while you're talking because they want the tea, you know, they, they're, they're hoping you're going to tell them something that they don't already know, but don't be fooled. Those people don't necessarily respect you just because they want some of the inside track that you're you might spill to them we it says a Mm -hmm. lot about what type of person they are and where they're at if you're spilling vitriol around Mm -hmm. the office because you're unhappy it's time for you to go you need to either learn to control that there's a time and place for everything and if you're really angry take it up with management when you start to poison the hive and it interferes with productivity And it's not to say that your feelings of vitriol are not justified, but it's just improper. It's not good etiquette. It's it's unproductive in many ways. And write a letter if that's how you feel. (laughs) Write a letter, write an email, but be prepared to exit. Just certain things are not going to be tolerated because, remember, very few orgs are flat. Very few. There is a pyramid to this. It is designed that way. It's skinny at the top and fat at the bottom for a reason. And if you are seen as, I guess, insubordinate or difficult to follow orders, you'll be dismissed and or walked out. You just have to think about what I think is interesting is when do people decide, make the choice to leave? So in that engagement I was mentioning earlier in that tale, what started was every week or every other week, we started seeing communications of departures. So (laughs) it would be, you'd either be searching for that person in the org to send them an email or a communication and you're like, whoa, why does it say that so-and-so's out of office? You know, like they've been out of office for two weeks. Oh, he's gone. And, and, And the IAM department, identity and access management forgot to cut their access or they did and the ghost account is still there. You start to see them in different places. You know, you have your... Or you search right. for their name 
and nothing comes up, you're like, oh, snap. <laughs> that was yeah. gangster. <laughs> I had to go into Slack the other day to delete a bunch of conversations because they were with people who departed and are no longer here, but they're still in your, your starred Slack section. And if you add or, or subtract anyone from those groups, it starts another different group. So then you're just like, there's just a lot of digital ghosts, but also the communications that come out, uh, it'll either be an email resignation if the person's allowed to, and I guess an agreed to parting of the ways, there'll be a communication coming from HR or that department saying this person is leaving. I've seen them come as late as the day of, which is super shade. And then also, or you get the invite. I love that. You get the invite to the party. And since we've all been working remotely, you get an invite to the digital Zoom send off, usually oh on the Thursday or Friday. Oh my God. That's, so that's going to be a whole nother episode is variations and send-offs. <laughs> Sometimes they are not what meets the eye. Let's just leave it at that. I mean, I had a very important question I sent to two individuals in HR, and then one is a manager and one is, but one is not, but they're very important people. And I sent them an email and I never got an answer back. And then I found out like later that week, I sent it on like a Monday, Later in the week, I found out that the individual had decided to depart. The manager for HR had enough with that particular chief technology officer. So it's very interesting when you have to know when you're not being supported at work and it's your time to go. And even the HR manager said, I'm out of here. This is, this is not good for me. So let's talk about the different strategies or tactics you can take when you're in the midst of and you realized. How about that? When you finally get to the phase when you realize you're on the uh, SS bounty, what can you do? So and, one and just really quick, touch on what you had said a couple of beats ago about, again, you could be the best worker and everybody's telling you that you kill it, that you're the best that ever was at it, okay? I want to reemphasize the point that the organization does not revolve around your contribution. You may, you may be one of the few ants that is keeping this whole ship afloat. And we'll give you full credit for that. And yet, and still, there is often an agenda that is neutral. And it, I hate to say it, but it doesn't have to always, yes, it's involving you, but it's not about you. So to take it personally is understandable. It is. But you have to know where to place that. And there's a lot of different outlets you can take for, you know, venting about that. But behoove you to, with everything we're saying, with all these tales and what you might be experiencing, as neutral as possible is how you want to approach it. I remember someone had told me that their mentor said, can you react to this as if it's a plate? Like, that level of just non-emotion. That is Zen level of monkness that I'm not at yet. But that's just to overemphasize the point about this is corporate. This is not your family. Okay. Even though sometimes they say that we're family, it's literally not your blood relatives. It's not your chosen friends who are now your family. So if you make friends at work, it is cherry on top. 
never go into the new engagement hoping to make friends. It's beautiful if you actually do make tried and true friends there. But most of the time you should you should always go in with the guard of these are my work acquaintances and my colleagues. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. some people delude themselves actually in staying longer on the SS bounty or sinking ship just because they like who they work with. That's important. Mm. I've I've seen that. I've seen that where I've worked at places in certain departments. They go to each other's houses on the off days, off hours, they socialize outside of work. But then when it's actual time for work work, they're actually miserable. They may hate the direct area manager. But being friends at work is important to them. But the minute that someone leaves, whenever I've seen that dynamic, the minute when someone key leaves, it all starts to fall apart because then they start to realize mm-hmm. that the only reason why they were content or deluded themselves with mm-hmm. being content at work was because of the fact that they had socializing um, events and that they had camaraderie in the misery. Okay. Oh, that's such a gr- that's such a great point. It also tests those friendships. Oh yeah, I have from some friends that I am still friends with, and it's been like, oh my gosh, it's been over a decade that we all met. I want to say, oh my, have fifteen years, and it was in a very very difficult engagement. And uh, we're all friends. They're all doing wonderful things with their careers, but we all are. We actually were forged in that fire, forged in that fire. And we've all gone on to do very good things and great things with our careers. And I'm very proud of that. I really am. But there was so much camaraderie in the misery there. <laughs> but once, yeah. once one of us left, departed, it was like a rolling cascade. People just started to leave. It was like, I'm not staying. You guys were the reason why I put up with that. But I wanted to talk about the tactics that could be used or useful to you to exercise these tactics when you realize you're on the SS bounty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now realizing that every manager shouldn't be a manager or probably is not the best manager, and it may not give you the heads up that all this change is happening, you should, one, you should read the company communications. Those communiques that come out, those bulletins, I never delete them. And, <laughs> think, and think about what they're saying. Try to read between the lines. Oh, yes, and scroll, and scroll all the way down. Scroll yeah, sure. all the way down. I know I scan it, but then I go back over it and I phone a friend at work and I'm like, so what are they saying that they're not saying? And we really anal- we analyze the hell out of those. Maybe it's a little obsessive, but honestly, it's a brilliant way to read the tea leaves and anticipate change. I cannot emphasize that enough because sometimes people are shocked and I'm like, but they said that two months ago. Where were you? Breadcrumbs and the bulletin. Sometimes, depending on your org, you may get the bulletin from the finance department, right? There may be a bulletin from each department, but you should always have those sent or or move them manually to a folder uh, called communications. And when you have quiet time at your job or you don't, print them out, read them. And, and destroy them after reading, you should be aware that there are breadcrumbs that are deliberately placed there. Because for some leaders, for them, it helps them to assuage their guilt about whatever acts or red wedding is on the way. So, yeah. Because they're like, well, we did tell the people. That, those, cryptic, those cryptic bulletins you told the people? Okay. 
So then you could also, another option is you could stay in place. You could be the um, lobster or the frog in the boiling water. That started off cold. It heated up. You, you see steam. You see condensation. And you don't try to make a run for it. You stay. You're frozen in place. Okay. That's an option. I don't advise it. You should start immediately advocating on your behalf. Well, whether that is if you need to stay, you better start uh, uh, kissing butt to whoever the new manager is. You, you better start making new connections, especially if it's, the team coming um, in and you have a feeling or, or, or a gut instinct that they are going to supersede you all, you mm -hmm. better start making friends fast if you really depend on that particular employment engagement. The next option <laughs> is to actually transfer within the company. You may be really tied to that corporation. There may be pensions, all kinds of compensation benefits packages. You have dependents. You need your income and it's not the right time. It's usually always happening at the worst time and you need to stay. But if you have a manager that really likes you elsewhere in the org and it's appropriate for you to make that transition or it's a lateral or it's a slight promotion up to save yourself in that mutiny, you may need to execute that particular tactic. Another one that's rare, but people do use it and, and it and it can be executed flawlessly and a lot of people don't pull it out of their hat as an option, leave of absence. Maria, do you want to talk about that a little bit? How that can be no. beneficial? It can be very <laughs> beneficial for people. Sometimes you have to, it comes as a, a benefit in your package, but many people are afraid to Utilize it. I had a friend who really needed to take a leave and <laughs> someone told him like, no, it's going to go on your record. There is no record. I just want to be clear. I want to tell this to the listeners in case there's this like rumor. There is no record. They don't know if your leave was a mental health lead, a psych leave. They don't know. It could be a, a family member has died and you just can't pull it together. I'm just saying to you, there are, are <laughs> ways to execute a leave. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> who's this they Elise? because it's while it's true your your colleagues will not necessarily know the exact reason why you took a leave of absence i would be very cautious about taking leaves of absence here's why because it is disruptive and there's other people who are going to have to cover your work okay and when that happens there's a little bit more scrutiny i'm going to disagree with you I'll tell you why. Because we're talking about in the context of a mutiny. And under normal circumstances, yes, I agree with you. Go ahead. In the case of a mutiny, uh -huh. you, you need to consider all possible tactics. Because remember, a mutiny is it's unstable. The whole org is in the, in a, it's in the midst of flux. So if it's people truly trying to survive, and you feel like your manager is not protecting you and you have to look out for self, it is a possible option. It may be the last option, but it's a possible option. Ringo, I'm glad you came back around to that because I've seen it used as a first option. Of course, this is a tale, but it should be more of a last option just because it's, it's not without a little bit more scrutiny than say a vacation okay a leave of absence is a, a whole thing that you have to justify with hr 
it can involve several calls with your healthcare provider and and or HR or whatever else. So one needs to be a little thoughtful about taking your leave of absence is absolutely within your right. Absolutely. And as I think you or I was saying earlier, your colleagues won't need to know exactly what the reason was. That's between you and HR. And sometimes your manager. Management is not supposed to know. So the details, your managers doesn't necessarily know that. So that's the interesting part of all that. But there's nothing for free, right? I mean, let's go into that a little bit. A leave of abstinence. You're going to have to use your vacation time. They're going to use up your PTO bank. So it doesn't come for free. You, you may even end up, if you're out, taking shorter or a discounted pay because it might be considered disability leave. Exactly. Nothing is free. But I just want to be clear because there's some people that really, really think that the employer will find out what the doctor said. No. But, but there... Where yeah. people operate from places of fear, especially in the middle of a mutiny, okay? Especially if they have mm-hmm. management or managers that they don't trust or they don't, you know, care for, or it's also a mutual feeling the manager doesn't care about them, they're afraid. And I wanted to just say that with HIPAA, mm-hmm. though that information doesn't leave, it's, it's, yep. it's a big deal. And they're limited. The doctor's actually limited as to what they can disclose to HR as far as your reasons for leave. It is a medical leave. That's the extent. They don't know what the specifics are. So I just wanted to be clear about that. But I do agree with you. And and as long as people know their rights and what's available to them, good. Then you know it's an arrow in your quiver. So we've talked about staying in place during mutiny. We've talked about, and and if you stay in place, you might want to strategize. (laughs) <laughs> clean up that LinkedIn <laughs> and that resume, phone a friend, ask people. The other thing too is while mutiny is happening, contact people and say, hey, I might be on the job market soon. Keep an eye out. Those two last tactics I want to talk about mm-hmm. in this tale is you can wait to be laid off and collect unemployment. Some people actually take that path, the path of leash resistance. They're going to still phone it in, come in, wait for the layoff, the buyout, the package, and then sit back and re-strategize. Some people really have ethics and some people really want to make sure, especially if it's a merger, they want to hand over their business process to whoever will be their successor, whether it's for their liking or not. And they're very loyal to the work or to the the company or the former company. and Or they just don't want to take the initiative to look for work. So they'll just wait to get phased out. But the last option I think is probably the best one to take in the case of a mutiny. Because if you have to remember the story of the bounty, most of the time throwing over the managing structure, as we saw last year in 2020 with the pandemic and the protests, unless you really overthrow it and really take over, it's it's not sustainable. And I'm not saying that you should be satisfied with the current power structure or the org structure. That's not what I mean. You have to respect that it exists. And that is the methodology. That is the structure. And that's how the company is run, whether you like it or not, or you agree with it. So the last strategy that I'm for is to Take any vacation days that you may have. 
choose the option to get paid out for them, but resign. Resign, and hopefully you've interviewed and looked for something else so you you can afford to take a little time between and book something um, with intention, book a new engagement with intention. But in the case of great disruption in the workplace, and there's consistent reorgs, that's my suggestions. What do you think, Maria? No, I'm in complete agreement with that there. And I can understand the fears and the concerns. And your mind is even going to play tricks on you on top of all the things that you know and you see and you read. Know that even if you don't think that you can stay a couple of weeks or a couple of months without a job, so often, and this, it really fills my heart, so often I see people who were either straight up fired or laid off, or they just hit the wall in terms of toxicity, the conditions, and left without another job in, in the bank. And they were able to get on their feet within a matter of months and find something that literally made them say, I can't believe I stayed as long as I did. So hopefully that gives you listeners a little bit of a feeling of you can survive the mutiny on the bounty. Remember to always advocate for yourself because if you don't, no one else will. And to the listeners that have been overlooked, have overstayed, are complacent, or just plain unhappy, free yourself. Good luck and Godspeed till the next episode. Remember to download, follow, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please feel free to leave us a review.